Wednesday or I'll be there next week. I know we have a tendency to do that. Jesus goes immediately. He follows this man with his disciples. Now, as Jesus is walking, the Bible tells us that suddenly a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. If only I touch his cloak, I will be made well. If only I touch his cloak. She wasn't asking for an audience. She wasn't asking to talk to him. She wasn't asking even for for Jesus to pray for her. Her faith believed that this man was so powerful that even if she just brushed up against him, she would be made well. The story I want to take us to is the same exact story show you the difference in the intricacies of this. And here's what it says. Now there was a woman who had been suffering. It's a similar, the same story, but it's told with slightly different details. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. And though she'd spent all that she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her hemorrhages stopped. Then Jesus asked, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and press in on you. That's like a dumb question. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I noticed that power had gone out from me. When the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling because we don't touch royalty. Falling down before him, she declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him. And now she had been immediately healed. And Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. The New Testament is filled with story after story of a God in the person of Jesus who continually reaches out and heals. This this leader of the synagogue, a person who was respected in his community, he had done everything he could and still, he says, his daughter had died. He comes to Jesus because he believed that Jesus alone has the power to raise the dead. Jesus alone has the power to heal the sick. You see, when we read this story of this woman, for us in 2014, we think, oh, that's too bad for her. She had had this prolonged bleeding. That must have been real rough for her. She must be really weak throughout the day. But what we fail to understand is that for this woman, in the first century, in Jesus' time, she would have been declared unclean. There was this law in the Old Testament In the book of Leviticus, where it says that if a, if a female, uh, well, a, fem- a female would become unclean during her once a month time, okay? So, and then seven days after that, she would then be clean again through some ritual cleansing. Okay, it's weird, I know, okay? Read Leviticus, you'll love it. <laughs> but... It was only after seven days after the bleeding has stopped. Now, if this woman had been chronically bleeding, you know, maybe, maybe it finally stopped for her on a Thursday. And so seven days from then, then she would be considered clean again. Then she could kind of be among the people again, right? So if you're bleeding constantly, you're kind of ostracized to the side. So let's say she made it to day number six. And one more day, then she would be cleansed, right? This ritual cleansing. But then the bleeding starts again. Then she's made unclean. She was continually and perpetually made unclean for 12 years, which means that for those 12 years of this hemorrhaging, she had been ostracized and marginalized in her community. She had become dehumanized. She had become forgotten. 
She had become the people that you don't associate with because they are not clean. We don't associate with those people because they practice different ways than we do. We don't associate with those people because they are unclean and sinful and horrible. So she had been ostracized and marginalized. She had been dehumanized. So when she touches the cloak of Jesus and Jesus turns to her, she is made human and whole once again. Not just because he he healed her, but because he validated her, he looked her in the eyes and he says, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. She probably thought because the crowds were big, right? People wanted to see the next show. People wanted to see what Jesus was going to do. For most people, they probably were just there to see the show, right? How many of you um, have ever been driving down the freeway and, and you see the fire trucks and the police? And what do we do? Even if you don't want to look, what do you do? You look. If those blue and red lights are flashing, it doesn't matter if they're just there and there's no one around. You look. Because we like the next big show. And so in the first century, people were following Jesus around because they wanted to see the next big thing. They wanted to see what was going to happen. So she thought she would get in incognito, touch his cloak, get out, and she would be made well. She didn't think that she was going to have to even deal with Jesus, but it says the Bible, and, and I don't know how this works out. Right? Because I'm not Jesus. I'm, never, I'm, not, I'm not far from being a god. I don't have any of these healing powers. But it says that he felt the power leave him. Perhaps what it means is that Jesus was so in tune with the people who were in need, who needed to be healed, people who needed to be valued, people who needed to be humanized, that he instantly knew when someone around him needed that. You see, we look at this picture of royalty and how we don't touch them. Yet when we find the king of the universe mixing and mingling among humanity, he didn't lift himself up above anyone. He didn't have a barrier around him. He didn't say, don't look at me, don't touch me, don't speak to me. But instead, Jesus was content and happy to go into all of the margins of society and reach out to the people that had been forgotten. But it's not just those people that Jesus comes to save. Jesus comes to save those of us who have things a little bit more together, who maybe have been able to get rid of some sins in our lives. He comes to save Christians, too, those of us who come to church from week to week and dress the right way. Because salvation and healing isn't just for those on the outside, but it's also for those inside the church. Jesus comes to bring healing and validation and mercy and love for all. And what we find in the Bible is that though Jesus could have been elevated among all people on earth, he chose to humble himself and be one of us. Now the story continues. It's, it's, it's weird how the Bible was written, but these are two stories mixed into one. So when Jesus finally comes back to the leader's house and he sees the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, Jesus says to them, Go away, for this girl is not dead but sleeping, and they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and he took the girl by the hand, and the girl got up, and they reported the spread throughout that district. Christmas is the reminder on an annual basis that we worship and we believe in a God 
we gather on a weekly basis to worship this God who doesn't just create all things and hold all things in balance, but of a God who doesn't want to be far from us, but a God who is close. And I know for some of you, you may feel like God is distant from you, like God isn't close enough. God, you haven't felt the healing hand of God. Or maybe God is just some distant fairy tale. But what the Bible teaches us in Matthew chapter 1, when we read the story of Jesus' birth, and the prophecy says this, The virgin, Mary, shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In this opportunity, God could have chosen to use any other title. He could have said that the God who is the omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-eternal is with you. But instead, the way God decides to illustrate his, his character to us is very simply a God who is with you. That's powerful for so many different reasons. But I'll give you one example. If you've ever gone through a difficult time in your life, and we all do, we all will, you'll know that it's harder to go through difficult times when you're by yourself and you feel alone. But if you're able to even just voice what's bringing you down, if you're able to voice the problem that you're going through, even if it's to a boyfriend or girlfriend, a husband or a wife, a group of friends, your family, the practice of even just voicing that makes you feel better. The problem may still be there, but knowing that there are other people who will help bear that burden can help you go through even the impossible. So when we get this picture of a God who is with us, he says no matter what you go through, no matter what life is like, when it's good and when it's bad, when you are filled with prayer requests and when you are filled with praises, I am the God who is with you. But you see, Christmas has become about so many other things. And I'm not just talking about the consumerism of Christmas. I'm not just talking about the gifts. But there are Christians who will go to war with other people just so we can have a nativity scene. Now, I'm all for a nativity scene. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for the freedom of religious liberty and the expression of how we live out our faith. I'm all for that. The problem becomes when Christians will take a sword and go to war just to have a nativity scene in the public square. The problem with that isn't the nativity scene. It's that they will stab anyone that gets in the way of it. And so instead of lifting up the Jesus who came and loved and was with us, they end up damaging that picture of this Savior. In 2014, there are so many different things competing for our attention on Christmas. Consumerism, nativity scenes, all of that stuff. But if I could leave you with one thing this morning... It would be that those things aren't the most important thing during Christmas. The most important thing is not only that God comes and is a God who is with us, but is a God who is challenging you to be with others. If we take the lead of Jesus, it's to be the God who is there with the marginalized and the outcast. A God who goes to those who no one will go to. It's a picture of us learning to revalue and humanize those that society has disenfranchised. 
to truly be Christians and followers of Jesus is not just to point to something and say that that is Jesus, but rather for us to be filled with the love and the conviction of God that we will go and be the presence of Christ anywhere we go. So this week, as you finish your Christmas shopping, it's a reminder to be kind and loving when the stores get so crowded and you just want to be mean. Perhaps this week as the traffic gets worse and people cut you off, the correct response would just be to let them into your lane. Perhaps during this Christmas time, there's a God who reaches out. It's a time to reach to those across the proverbial aisle in this church where we need healing and love and compassion and forgiveness. My hope and my joy is that this church would be a bastion of that love and hope of grace and of mercy. That the story of Jesus would not just be something that we use to decorate our stage, but that it would be the thing that makes us deep within who we are. So that when people see this church, it would be known as a church who is a follower of Jesus, as a church who extends mercy and grace and love. A church where when people see us, we would be the Christ in their midst. your baby boy would one day walk on water Mary did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new this child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm a storm with his hands? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod, and when you kiss your little baby, then you've kissed the face of God. Did you know Mary did you know the blind will see the death will hear the dead will live again the lame will leap the dumb will speak the praises of the land Did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know 
Sleeping child you're holding is the grave. 